the School Success Formula with me, Lucy Parsons. Welcome to today's show. Today I've got a question for you. Is nagging about revision ruining your relationship with your team? If the answer is yes, then let's talk about it in today's episode. One of the most horrible things about the GCSE and A-level years for parents is watching your teen fritter away their time, forcing you into the position where you feel you have to nag them to get on with their revision. It's so tough because even though you're doing it because you care, by nagging you're putting yourself on the opposite team to them. It puts you against them and can actually lead to a breakdown in communication at this vital time in their lives. When you want all communication channels to be wide open, not just for their studies, but all the other pitfalls of teenage life as well. So let's talk about why you end up nagging, other than just being exasperated because they're not doing the work, what you can do to improve the situation and hopefully stop nagging altogether and the problems you might hit along the way. So, why you end up nagging in the first place? There are various deeper problems that mean teens aren't willing to do the work, particularly in the GCSE years, but this can cross over to the A-level years for some students too. Here's a list. Number one, they have a different perception of time to you. Now, if they're 14, 15, 16, 17, time passes a lot more slowly for them and six weeks, three months, a year all feel a lot longer to them than they do to you when you're, I'm guessing you're probably in midlife if you're a parent listening to this. So, it's you have to recalibrate and kind of empathize again with their perception of time. Secondly, they've got out of good study routines in years seven to nine. Now, often what happens at the beginning of secondary school is that less homework is set, less importance is placed on homework, and students don't really get into good study habits and good study routines in those three years and therefore when they start year 10 and get into studying for their exams they often really struggle with getting into good work routines. Thirdly, and this is a big problem I see all the time, It's that nobody's made their expectations clear to the teens in your lives. So if you haven't said, this is what I expect to be seeing from you outside school, and if school hasn't said, this is how much you should be working, these are the types of studying you should be doing outside school, then there's little surprise if they're not actually doing those things. So you have to be really clear and upfront with what you're expecting them to do. The fourth thing is that they can be much more interested in other aspects of teenage life. And this stage of growing up um, is, you know, there's lots of things opening up 
you know, relationships, with, um, you know, romantic relationships. You've got lots of social life going on. Um, there might be hobbies and things that they want to pursue. They're really, really thinking about their identities separate to you as their parents. And so there's an awful lot going on that demands their attention and is possibly far more interesting to them than studying for their exams. And finally and fifthly, your expectations might be higher than what they're developmentally able to deliver. So some people grow up really fast and they have really good executive planning and you know, skills and that kind of thing from really early on. But other people really struggle to develop those skills, particularly if they're neurodiverse. And we'll talk a little bit more about this later on in the episode. So those are the five reasons why you end up nagging in the first place. What can you do to improve the situation then and hopefully stop nagging altogether? Well, step one is the reality check. When your teen is calm, you need to have a chat with them about how much time is really available to them up until their exams and how it's going to pass. So a brilliant example of this was a member of, well, a client of mine who um, sat down with her year 11 son with a calendar and literally plotted out all the school holidays, when he was going on his Spanish exchange, all these kind of things. And he could visually then see how the time was going to elapse. And that was a real reality check to him. And there's some guidance in the Extraordinaries Club about how to do this and what to expect when as well in the academic year so that you can factor that in. So if you'd like to access that information, then um, you can do that when you join the Extraordinaries Club. So the other things you need to talk about are your expectations for how they need to be working. Essentially, this is what you need to see to stop you from nagging them. Um, You need to be setting realistic boundaries between their studies and other aspects of life, e.g. gaming time and social media time. And I know this has got a lot more challenging since the pandemic. A lot of the boundaries around this kind of thing fell down during the pandemic because, you know, it was our young people's only way of socialising and spending time with their peers. And a lot of parents rightly thought that this was important for them to be doing. But now people are more able to see each other at school and outside school. We really need to be thinking about putting some of these boundaries back in place, which is a tough thing to do. I know that. And then the final thing you need to include in the reality check is how your teen can make all of this happen. And this fourth step is really important as it gives them some control or autonomy, which is much more motivating than just being told what to do. So this feeds into the fact that the developmental stage that they're at, that they're seeking more independence from you as a parent. So if you're able to say, you know, this is the situation, this is what I need to be able to see, how are you going to make it happen? And they get that control and autonomy over making the plan. You know, the more able they are to create that plan and 
execute it themselves, the better it's going to work out. So step number two, make sure they've got the study skills they need to succeed. So too many young people are nagged and cajoled into revising when they don't know how. This makes them feel ashamed because there is this huge expectation from both parents and teachers that they'll be doing this thing, but they don't know how to do it. So they'll be doing the revision. That's the expectation. But they're sitting there thinking, but I don't know how. Whatever I do is not working. It just seems like a colossal waste of time. And when that's happening, it's undermining their confidence and it's making them feel ashamed. So the good teams, in inverted commas, will make a stab at doing their revision, which might consist of making some pretty posters on sitting on their bed for hours staring at a textbook. Other teams won't even try because they don't have enough confidence or direction to even get started. It is completely unfair to expect anyone to do anything when they don't know how. And it's particularly unfair to perpetuate a feeling as toxic as shame. If your child clearly isn't revising in a productive way that's getting them better marks, we talked about this last time if you're interested in listening to the previous episode, then you know they need to brush up on their study skills. So, and that's something that I can help with. That's my be all and end all. That's what I do. And then finally, we're on to step three. So once you've um, set your expectations, they've created a plan, you've made sure they've got the study skills they need to succeed, the final step is to check in. There are two ways of doing this, a right way and a wrong way. So let's talk about the wrong way first. So picture this. You finish your working day feeling tired and hungry. The first thing you see your teen see is your teen on their games console and no sign that any revision or homework has been done. Because you're a bit frazzled, you say, why aren't you revising? Don't you know your exams are happening in three months? We've got to confiscate the console. You can imagine this inflaming into a raging row within seconds. Clearly, it's not helpful or productive. So this is the right way. When both your teen and you are feeling calm and well fed, nobody's hungry, <laughs> you have a conversation about how their revision is going, whether they have any problems or difficulties with it, and what you can do to help them move forward. You can do this either by agreeing a check-in time in advance, or just seizing the moment of a dog walk or on a lazy Sunday afternoon, whatever works for you. So those are the things that you need to do to improve the situation and hopefully stop nagging altogether. Firstly, the reality check. Secondly, making sure they've got the study skills they need to succeed. And thirdly and finally, the check-in. And this is something that you want to repeat over and over again, the check-in that is. Okay, finally, let's talk about some problems you might hit along the way. So firstly, your child isn't developmentally able to take on responsibility for their studies. 
Young people mature in different ways at different times. There are some 14-year-olds who have been taking charge of their studies for years with very little involvement from their parents other than to say well done when they get a good school report. However, there are also some young people who just aren't ready to take charge themselves. This might be a developmental thing in that their executive planning and organisation skills are unpracticed or not ready, or it may be because of a neurodiversity such as dyspraxia or ADHD. If your child is in this situation, you may have to be a lot more hands-on with their studies than you'd ideally like to be. However, I would caveat that by saying that we've worked with a lot of students who were less developed than others and a lot of neurodiverse students who, when they learn how revision works, how study skills works, what they need to do, they're much more able to put it into place. They understand what they're doing a lot better. They just need a kind of a little bit of accountability and support from their parents to actually make it happen. Okay, the second problem that you might hit along the way is that your child looks like they're doing the work, but it's the wrong kind of work. We talked about this more last time, so if you're interested in this, go back and listen to the previous episode. But you need to be looking for the right signs of success. Many parents expect to see lots of revision notes being produced, but this isn't actually a great sign of good revision, unless they're the right kind of revision notes. Instead, they need to be testing themselves, and every student needs to be doing this, whether they write revision notes or not. The ultimate sign of revision success is that their marks are improving, or at least holding steady. So the third problem you might encounter is that they're not motivated by schoolwork or revision. There's some much deeper work to do if they're just not motivated or or engaged with what they're learning about and why they're doing it. My recent podcast interview with motivation expert Shara Jeevan is a great place to get more insight into this. But if your child is just completely checked out from revision and um, any kind of study, there is much deeper stuff. And I will go into this and some key questions. It would be a really good idea to try and work through with them um, if they're in this situation that they're completely checked out and, you know, just won't have anything to do with their revision or homework. So hopefully what I've shared with you today means that the nagging stops here. Some parents certainly find it easier to move to a place of trust around revision and homework than others. But I really hope this gives you a starting point um, for that. But if you'd like more help, I'd encourage you to download my um, free tip sheet it's called seven top tips to help your child reach their academic potential and many hundreds of parents have found it really useful and insightful in getting their children onto the right track and 
helping with stopping the nagging. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful day and goodbye.